You're listening to the Performance Group Podcast, a place to listen, learn, and get to know the unseen heroes of our local community. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Kirby, and on the Performance Group Podcast, we make it our mission to learn from those around us and shed light on our local community. If you're new to the show, we have spoken to business leaders, community, organizers, friends, and family. And before we jump in today, I hope to ask you for a favor. If you could please just take one second to hit subscribe and share our posts. It would mean a whole lot to me, our team here at the Performance Group, and our amazing guests on today's show. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Performance Group Podcast. My name is Sean Kirby, and I'm your host today. On today's episode of the Performance Group Podcast, I am welcomed by the one, the only, the executive director of the Leadership Academy in Madison County, Jesse Reynolds. Jesse. Thank you. Welcome. Yeah, appreciate it. I appreciate you coming today. Yeah, no problem. So um, you and I have only known each other technically for a week or two weeks now. Right. Um, I was lucky enough to go through your first... Uh, weekend, I guess, they, what do they call it? The retreat? Opening retreat, yeah. Opening retreat of the Leadership Academy of Madison County. And um, we kind of hit it off, or at least in my brain, I thought we hit it off. You don't have to say the same if you don't think so. Yeah, I feel like we, you know, there's a genuine connection. I don't I feel otherwise, so. Yeah, I forced you into that. You had to say that. Otherwise, you know, everybody would be like, <laughs> man, he's kind of he's hard on people, his students. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. Thank you for being here. Yeah. And I kind of want to talk about, you know, how did you get to your role today, what this role today means to you and what's your plan long-term and how do you think it can impact obviously where you and I live, which is Madison County. Right. So maybe give you some perspective or some background. So born and raised in Anderson, graduated from Highland in 2007. Uh, Once a Scott, always a Scott. Uh, Went off to Bradley University in Peoria, Illinois. That's where I did my undergrad in business and accounting. Um, After graduating from Bradley, I kind of was in that space of deciding what I wanted to do. So either stay in Peoria, come back to Anderson, or go off to D.C. and live that East Coast lifestyle. Kind of process of elimination, family dynamics, um, just the experience. My mom was like, D.C. is a little too far. And so (laughs) I came home. And I, I stayed home for about a week. Prudential came calling, and so I worked at Prudential for about three years or four years after graduating college. My wife got married in that time frame. We had a son. And that conversation about, you know, personal conversation about, hey, I have someone to take care of now. Let me get a little more serious about my career. So, again, my background is business and accounting. So I was kind of gearing towards finance generally. So I transitioned to Chase Bank. Worked there for a period of time. They closed the branch down that I was at. And they wanted me to go to a location about 45 minutes from that location. And I was like, no, I'm not adding 45 minutes additionally to my daily commute. So um, we transitioned into public service. And I was the director of community relations for Lawrence Township Trustee's Office. Um. Kind of in that period of time, my wife and I had this, this debate about either moving in from Indiana and kind of starting fresh or coming back home. And so we had that debate for a period of time. And ultimately, we landed on coming back home. And so allowed our kids to be closer to their grandparents, 
you know, I grew up around my grandparents and I think it's a valuable experience to kind of be parented in a different way than, than your own set of parents. And so we made that decision and kind of it all kind the puzzle kind of all came together. So we made that decision. We found a place to uh, start laying some roots in Anderson and then saw the job opening for executive director at the Leadership Academy. Was hesitant about applying just because I, I knew about the academy. Uh, it's a high-profile position, very public-facing. And so be moving my family back at a time of transition, still in a role, fairly new. Um, but, you know, we threw our hat in the ring, and here we are today. So just excited about coming back home, but then also in this role, I think it gives the opportunity to do community work. I just didn't want to move back to Anderson to say, I have an Anderson address. We want to actually come back and do work. So, Yeah, so let's. Um, I, there's a lot to uncover. I think your story is one of those that um, – you don't hear too often that somebody transitioning from a finance role or somebody that went to school for, you know, this certain type of thing to transition completely into the director of community relations in Lawrence Township. Yeah. Talk to me about how you made that transition, what was even going through your brain at the time, and then how that shaped you in the last, uh, call it three years. Yeah, so I'm a minister as well. Um, so I was called into the ministry at a young age, about nine, um, preached my first sermon when I was about 10. Wow. So I've always been interested in um, community advocacy, working for people. Even in finance, I find that it's still about people. And I tell people my life's passion is to help people. And so all of my roles have been geared towards helping people either through improving their financial circumstances um, or just bettering their life overall. So it was an easier transition because of my ministry back background. Um, during that time frame, I was also serving as youth pastor, youth minister. And so I could kind of see some of the family dynamics that I wanted to impact. And so you kind of wake up every day and say, what do you want to do with your life? And that's kind of where some of that community support or community interest kind of came from. Mm -hmm. What were some of the biggest lessons you felt like you learned during that position? I'd say just the value of your perspective on where you are in life. So, you know, each one of us has a story or a background that's impacted by our surroundings and, and, and things like that. Um, but people are also in a space where they may not have the opportunities to make it um, out of their circumstance or see that. The opportunity may be there, but they may not see it. And so in my opinion, a part of being in community work is helping people to see or providing people hope so they can get to or elevate themselves. So I guess my biggest lesson is how do we serve in that capacity tell people see a bigger picture if the community is doing well business does well if business is doing well the community does well so it's it's a cycle so i would i would i would lean into that yeah absolutely i think that it's um 
we're all pulling on the same end of the string if we're doing yeah. it the right way. Right. There just has to be that, um, I, I guess more than anything, a conversation. Right. I mean, it's easy to um, have everybody pulling in different ends, in different directions, until you can get somebody in the middle that just says, hey, why don't we do it this way? Right. So I, I think that's um, it's a good way to look at it. One thing I don't see as I stare at your LinkedIn page um, is something you talked about at the first day of opening retreat. You're a linguist. Yeah. You're a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, you said that you wrote a couple books. Yeah. I could not find them. They, Talk they to may me be about on that. there. They should be on there. Where, where um, they at? Talk to me about them. So the first book is um, The Truth Behind a Lie, The Road to Commitment. Oh, I found that. Never mind. Yeah. And then the second book is Heavenly Navigation. So the first book, The Truth Behind a Lie, is kind of a... Um, a story. So when I was writing the book, let me go back. Um, it started as a journal, which is journaling every day. We'll wake up journaling. And at the time, I had a professor who was the poet laureate of Illinois. His name was Kevin Stein at Bradley. And I was writing every day and taking his class as well. And I'm like, well, he does this on the daily basis so let me take some of this to him to see if it could even become a book and so he gave me a template and was like hey if you do it this way we can get it in front of a a publisher and so we started to put those journals in the proper format and that ultimately became the truth behind the lie so it is a story format about a character who has some adverse life experiences and, you know, through high school, college, and then his professional career, and through that time frame, how he balances becoming a well-known individual, well-known professional, balancing family, the road to, the truth behind the lie, the road to commitment. So what is it behind him that's actually pushing him, or what is he hiding um, behind, behind his work ethic? Um, so, you know, it's compelling work. The Heavenly Navigation book is as it sounds. It's a, a biblically-based book on receiving direction and guidance from the Heavenly Father. And so, just as we rely on GPS to get to various places, um, we rely on scripture, uh, preach word, uh, revelation to um, meet or exceed our destination. So. How long have you, or how long were you working on those? I mean, like start to finish. I've never written a book, but it seems like the most daunting task in the world. I mean, the so, journal makes sense, but I mean, how do you just sit down and stare at a blank piece of paper? So both of those were written in college. Wow. So um, a little bit more free time than now. I'd say I'd wake up early, five a.m. Star work in college. Yeah. Man, you were one of the weird ones. <laughs> Nobody else. Does so, that. No, no one else was waking up at five a.m. They might have still been up. <laughs> It depends on what school you go to. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'd, I'd wake up at 5 a.m. And, at again, the beginning parts of my college career wasn't always that way. But at some point you wake up to, I'm not always going to be a college student. Um, what do I want to do with myself? And you go back to the roots of being in ministry at a young age. And if that is the true call on your life, you start to open up to that and so just waking up at 5 a.m i'd say it took me about 
four months to write the first book. Um, but even in writing the first book, I was writing another book at the same time. And so um, then you go through the edits and the publisher wants to change things and the graphic design. So it, it took me about a year to get it from the journal to the first copy in my hand that I'm looking at. So what did that feel like? It was amazing. I, I have the I have the photo of me opening the box to see. Yeah, so it's, it's you got that frame somewhere. Yeah, that's a good it's photo. A, yep, it's at home. Well, it's in a box now, but it's at home. Yep, that's nice. Yep. So um, I find such power in journaling. Um, How did you get started journaling? Um, and then you know, so I don't I, want to turn mine into a book. So but. as a kid, I used to write poems, and I actually got in trouble. Um, as a kid for writing poems, um, I would write them to, you know, to girls. Uh-huh. And so. I know who, who got you in trouble <laughs> for that. <laughs> so we'd write the poems and we'd, you know, we'd send them out. A but, true, true romantic. Yeah. So the, the, the young lady, I'll, I'll leave her name out. The young lady, her her mother found some of them, and she called my mom, and the school scheduled a meeting with <laughs> what <laughs> yeah. over a poem. Yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't anything crazy, but it was it was it was a poem. And um, what a mean mom! <laughs> you lucked out. Could you imagine having her as a mother in law whose name we are not going to say here? Yeah. <laughs> we are thankful and grateful. Yeah. So that's how I started. How old were you there? I was fifth grade. Fifth grade. Then the next year you found the love of your life. Right. How about that? Did you write her a poem? Plenty of times. Was the, I mean, like, is that how you got her? Is that what I'm missing in my life? That's what my wife is saying. Actually, um, we had a mutual friend named Jocelyn. Um, We were in gym class, and I went to Jocelyn, and I said, hey, um, can you introduce me to her? Or tell her that I like her. And so Jocelyn did it. And then she came over after that and was like, she said that you like me. Uh, so after that, it was, we were, we were okay with it. So Yeah, that was, um, I know, not a lot of sixth grade lovers that yeah. make it all the way to married, two kids, and both going to be doctors, right? Yeah, she's, she's doing her PhD right now, and I'm doing a DBA at Indiana Wesleyan. So Congratulations. Appreciate it. That's amazing. Thank you. Did you ever think you were going to get there? Was that ever part of the plan? After I graduated from Bradley, I said I wasn't going back to school. (laughs) (laughs) Sure got yourself on that one. So I had an MBA from Indiana Wesleyan in in year three of a DBA. So, Congratulations. That's huge. That's amazing. Uh, Lifelong learner. Yeah. And were you raised that way? Did you find that along the way? Or what what turned you into a lifelong learner? As somebody who... um, I'm a lifelong learner in a different sense. Like I would never go back to school right? if I said so. But I will say that listening to you say that you're going back now, I'm going, well, I guess you could. Yeah. Um, Do you want to? Right. That's I, if you're so you're 25. I'll be 26 next week. 20, okay. So at in your, in your age, I was that person that said, I'm not, you know, I'm not going back to school. So just life, life happens. More opportunities open up. But at an early age, I was, I'm the oldest of my siblings, and so I was always wanting to set an example. But my parents, you know, celebrated education, and not just 
when you got an A, they wanted you to learn. They wanted you to read. They wanted you to explore, create. So creativity was big in my household from drawing, painting, um, Legos, um, just the way we communicated. So that just inspired education generally, my parents. So it just carries it forward. Yeah. I, I don't know that I want to go to school after this. I think capacity. you should be done. Once you once you get to that, that doctor in front of your name, I think you just I, get to quit. I know plenty of people that have multiple doctorates, but um yeah. I don't I don't know if I want to chase those that people dream. need real jobs. <laughs> no offense to them. Get out of school. Yeah. Go do yeah. something. Um no, I think there's such power there. I think that um that the and I think that's also part of the reason you strive to be where you're at. I don't wanna, you know, diagnose you myself, but right. I think that, that makes you who you are. Yeah. So speaking of lifelong um Learnership. Oh, here's what I wanted to ask before I get off topic. Um, for those people who have never journaled before, speak to what power you think that, that brings. And then I've dumbed it down. Like I, I tried to journal for years. Yeah. I sucked at it. Mm-hmm. I would literally write down, what am I supposed to write? I would write that and then write two more sentences. And then you'd go back the next day and that's what you wrote the day before. So I dumbed it down. Yeah. I write down three things. Three things I'm grateful for, a reflection, and then daily goals. If I do that every day, my brain can, I'm not, there's no creativity. Now it's a task. Mm-hmm. I can complete tasks, not always consistently, but right. to me. So speak to uh, journaling, what it's done for you, how easy is it, or what should people do to get started? Yeah, so the first thing that I do is, you know, when I wake up, is pray. That opens up my mind. Um, maybe people aren't into that which is fine, um, but it's just a communication um, to stimulate some thought. And that's really what journaling is for me, stimulating thought. And so a leading question, find a leading question. Um, I believe dot, 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 and write on that. Or I love dot, 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 write on that. I am dot, 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 and write on that. Find a leading question or a leading statement and and write on that. And then the next day, either continued or find another leading question. Um, One of the things that I used to often write on uh, was what what I saw as my next step. So I did goal one, what comes after goal what is goal two? What is goal three? And whatever that next step was, I wrote about it. Start that process of visioning. Again, I'm a minister. You know, scripture tells us to write the vision and make it plain. So literally writing it down is putting some type of um, energy into the atmosphere that makes you accountable to it. If it's all up here, you're not accountable yet. Once you start to document it, it's almost a contract between yourself and your action once I put it on paper it's a contract now now I'm going to go after it and so um kind of those leading prompting questions I think is a starting point and then you know figure out why you're journaling what is your goal with it um if you have some something to ascribe to it makes it easier to continue to do it um that's just like any habit if you're working out you don't have really a goal for working out. You're not going to continue to work out. 
Or if it's not a lifestyle commitment, you're not going to continue to work out. So the same with the journaling piece. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. I think that's a great, and I don't want to say to dumb it down, but to just simplify the process. Because like I said before, staring at a blank page is the most daunting thing to most people. (laughs) But if, if you can just simplify it to the point where I am, I want, I need. We, um, we do goal planning once a year in our office. We get the whole team together, and that's what it is. It says, I am, I want, I want to be, I want. Yeah. And you then you fill in the, the piece after. My dad always told me, careful what you write down for a goal, because you might just get it. Right. Which is a beautiful thought, because, you know, it, that's the power of the written word or just writing down your, your goals. Yeah, right. So I love that. Um, so that's goal setting. That's, you know, that's something that you've done in the past. A couple books. If people wanted to buy your books, where would they find your books? I'll yeah. give you a little shout out. Shameless yeah, Amazon. Um, you just Google my name, Jesse Reynolds. Easy enough. That's J E S S E Reynolds is R E Y N O L D S. Yep. Perfect. And then you can find both those books. That's a truth behind a lie, a road to commitment and heavenly or heavenly navigation. No turning back. Uh, so that's my shameless plug for you. You're welcome. Thank you. I hope you get some book sales. <laughs> um, how about this? We'll, we'll share some of the profit if so. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll put it back into our community. <laughs> um, so let's talk about um, now your your next journey in life. So you're back, um, you're home, you know, um, and you are now the executive director of the Leadership Academy, Madison County. Congratulations. Thank you. There's an applause button over there, but I don't want to jump over there and hit yeah. the button for you. Uh-huh. But uh, talk to what, um, I don't want to say the interview process, because then I don't want to call it any names that I know that were part of that. But right. um, when you applied for that, and what it felt like to get that position and know that you're coming home and you're going to be serving, talk to like, how that felt. It was refreshing, because it was, it was reassurance that this was the right season to be coming home. And so... Again, as I mentioned earlier, I didn't want to come home just to have a Anderson address. I wanted to come home to do community work with a position as forward-facing, public profile, as the Leadership Academy role is. You're going to be doing community work, not just through the Leadership Academy, but there's organizations that quite often partner with us to do volunteer work through the community. Um, so it was refreshing. It was also, um, for lack of a better, eye-opening to the opportunity. Um, Again, an organization that's been around over 40 years to now carry the torch and try to stimulate new knowledge, create new knowledge, create new programming, um, build on the success that's there, you know, obviously utilize the successes that we've had um, in the past and just enhancing it, kind of carrying that torch forward. So. Absolutely. So for, um, any listener who's never heard of the leadership Academy or maybe they don't understand what it is. No one's ever explained it to him. I feel like, um, personally, I didn't really know what it was when I applied. Yeah. Um, I've heard about it from other people. Try to explain it as best as you can as somebody that maybe has no idea what it is. Yeah. So a lot of people, Connect the dots as a networking opportunity. But we go beyond that. It's it's servant leadership training. Servant leadership being um, how you show up 
to support others. And so it's, it's specific curriculum that we try to target to meet the goals of servant leaders, develop servant leaders that ultimately build communities. So as I said in opening retreat, I'm not here to teach. I'm not here to correct or direct. I'm just here to provide some tools. And so we try to provide the tools to go out that our participants will go out into the community, make a difference, make an impact, um, rather on their organization at home or personally. So leadership Academy for the past four decades or so um, has provided that base to connect to community work, but then also develop some authentic relationships and build networks. Quite often you go into a meeting and there's going to be a leadership Academy alumni in the meeting. And it kind of speaks again to the gravitas of the organization it's impacting the community, but then it also shows that there's still uh, in, individuals that's interested in driving Madison County forward, which is beautiful. Which is what we need, right? From all aspects. Uh, how many alumni are there? As I did the last count, there were about seventeen hundred and fifty around in that range. Wow! So, with these next classes of like you're in the class, that next class, and we have a balance, which is a high school senior class, and then we have a high school junior class. That'll get us over 1,800. So Wow. So um, there's not just a adult program. There's two other programs as well? Correct. Speak to those. So we have a, a youth leadership academy. Um, that's, again, high school juniors. They go through very similar, um, I guess, curriculum or training as the adult class. In fact, the session on Tuesday that we're going to go to is a joint session with the youth. Um, but it's it's personalized to what a 16- or 17-year-old would, would understand or be able to grasp. Then the, the balance program is for high school seniors. And so creating that balance between school, life, and what your next step is, whether it's college or vocation, some skill training, kind of the preparation to get there. And so um, both of those programs are flagship programs. They've been, you know, YLA has been around, I believe, since 1996. I have to go look at the exact dates. Um, but, again, it shows the value of developing leaders even as early as, you know, juniors in high school. And we're looking at doing it even earlier in middle school. So there's programs out there like that, but leadership isn't based on age per se. There's leaders all across the age spectrum. So, Yeah, nor by position. Right. Which I thought was one of the, the interesting things from our session or the opening retreat was find, not finding out, but realizing that leadership can be from you know, the bottom up, the middle up. It, it, it goes all different ways. Right. And it can be done at home. I mean, it's just there's a lot of cool lessons to be learned. Yeah. And so a part of it, too, is there, there are some repeat organizations that have they send um, participants every year. So they've sent their, their high-level staff already, their executives already. Now they're doing middle managers. And then they'll start to, you know, incorporate other staff members into the process. But it speaks to, again, some of the sessions, some of the training that an organization would 
continue to send and support. So um, community work happens at all levels of an organization or of a community. So I think it's valuable to have that experience regardless of what your seniority is in the organization. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, you know, getting to that next generation as well. Right. Because you're just, you're, you're just painting the path for the next generation, whether you're middle management now, I mean, they want you to know these lessons before, Everybody who's ever been through a bad situation wants to tell somebody else about it so they can avoid it, right? right? Right. So if I can give you good advice now, no matter where you are, you can grow into a position or grow into life. And, you know, as I do the adults class, I'm sitting there going, man, I wish I would have done this as a junior in high school. Yeah. Where would I have been? Would I be where I am now? Yeah. Would it have changed everything? Right. So to, to piggyback on that, we're, we're leaning into what I'm calling leadership connections we kind of spoke to that a little bit and that is um, kind of pairing some of our youth with mentorship programs, mentorship and internships and that kind of thing, kind of connecting the dots. And so when I was a junior, I wanted to be an architect. I think in the area there were two when I was growing up and then Ball State was the only architectural program. I didn't want to go to Ball State. So, (laughs) so, um, Nothing against Ball State is just at that time. You wanted to get out. Yeah, I wanted to get out. And so nothing like choosing Peoria. Right. <laughs> it's, it's Ball State in a different state. Exactly. It's just Muncie. Yeah, it's down the street. Uh, but yeah, different enterprise, but down the street for sure. Um, but providing some of that connection because, you know, maybe you realize as a 16 year old that you thought you wanted to be a nurse. But in fact, want to be an engineer or maybe you thought there's no way I'm going to go to college but we connect you to some pieces that can show you there is a way to do it and that stimulates something in you to chase some different dreams or pursue some different passions to me that's what leadership is just giving you the tools again we talked about tool exchange just giving you some tools to take the next step Um, and hopefully you'll remember I got these tools from my experience at leadership or my experience at this place or that place. And, you know, you'll continue to raise up other leaders because of it. Yeah. And I think that um, especially for high school juniors and high school seniors, more now than ever, there's that pressure, that anxiety of, do you know what you want to do? Right. Because you're making a $50,000 commitment year one. Right. And they go, well, that's, what if I don't want to be a doctor? Maybe I don't like biology. Yeah. And, and you've figured that's a $100,000 lesson mm-hmm. using rough math. Hopefully, yeah. if you're going for pre-med, you've got some <laughs> tuition assistance somewhere. But it, you know what I mean is yeah. like mm-hmm. experiences, you know, we are nothing but the sum of all of our experiences. So experience as much and different things as you can when you're young right. allows you to find where you fit in. And that's what... GM, and this is kind of broad, but there were so many people that worked and they only had one option, right? Yeah. Now more than other kids have unlimited options. Right. More so than they have ever had. Back then, you know, you got your job straight out of high school and you're going to go to GM, you're going to work 20 in, 20 out. Right. So now they have more options than they've ever had, but they've also have more pressure than they have from not only their own weight on their shoulders, but social media and all these things telling right. them what they should do. Mm-hmm. 
what an exhausting experience it is yeah. to be somebody, a young person today. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had that experience, again, being the oldest. I won't call it pressure, but you do carry your weight. Just, just wanting to set the tone. Like, hey, this is what we do. And so I, I can only imagine youth today who may be the eldest in their family, the middle, or, the, or if you were the baby in your family and all your family went off to be doctors in today's world and you, like, I don't want to be a doctor, the pressure of that in today's world with social media, with, well, I want to do this, or, you know, I want to create content. And content creators make, you can, can make just as much money and have just as much of an enjoyable lifestyle, um, and it's not all about the money, but you know you have to have some to do much to do much. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's a part of it. Them figuring out what they want to do, um, and social media certainly influences or impacts that. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think the mentorship program that was something I was going to recommend um, at the next session or immediately after you and I jumped off here. I think that's such. As a young person who I'm a high school wrestling coach, I've said that on here a couple times, is like trying to maybe help people avoid something or skip a step or be a step ahead. And it may not be what I do, but at least you can figure out what you don't want to do pretty right. quick. Yeah, You don't want to be in tax accounting? Perfect. You don't want to be in insurance? Perfect. We've got a truck shop down the road. Do you want to try that? You know what I mean? Like, giving kids options. Like I want to create an internship program in here because we do so many things where it's structured to a month, a month, a month. You got three months off school. You get to try things. Yeah. And then you could go, all right, my presentation at the end is what did I learn in each thing? And what did I learn that I don't want to do long-term? Right. Right. Cause I think I learned, and I don't know this, but a lot of people that live that GM lifestyle, nobody liked work. They just went, they went, pay bills. What if you could do both? Right. What if I could like what I do? How much more effort would I put in if I enjoyed it? Right. And I think that's something that's, if you can get all of it. So one of the things that I've learned as a parent is my kids probably have taught me more than I probably will teach them. Just even in my approach to life but then also how you communicate with another person they don't know that they're teaching me that I say that to say we can learn so much from youth even in our businesses because that's the next wave of employees we can learn so much from youth in terms of how we structure our organization in terms of what tools we're using uh, in terms of you know how they're communicating, how they're spreading the word. Um, and, and it will be valuable to organizations. So I think your idea about the one-to-one -one in internship, and if there's some engagement of, about, hey, what did we, what could we gain from, from them in terms of their perspective of how our organization is set up? That could be valuable both ways. Yeah. I think a lot of people look at interns as a means to an end. Right. I need somebody to run copies. Right. But if you look at it as an opportunity to test your organization or 
imagine if every, and that's a beautiful thing about doing this podcast is every single time I talk to somebody, I assume I have something to learn. Right. There's this, especially something we learned in servant leadership is you act on behalf of the people around you. You're the bottom of the totem pole, right? In order to better assist the people around you. That's the job. How can I serve you today? Not how can I tell you what to do? How can I serve you? How can I serve you? So if I assume I'm not the smartest person in the room and I always have something to learn and I only have good questions or I just have questions, they don't even have to be good. I can realize I can ask dumb things, which pretty good at. Um, If you go in just open-minded, open-minded, how can I, how can I take in more and learn more and better, not my situation, but then my client's situation, right? Creativity is solving what? Problems. Yep. That's all I got to do. Yeah. So I, I think if we can get everybody tugging, I mean, a rising tide lifts all boats. Mm-hmm. We can all be doing that and trying to see what can I, not what can I take from somebody, but what can I give in order to receive? Right. So. Yeah, it's a principle. It's better to give than to receive. So, I mean, it all works back to, the golden rule essentially, but then also as we as we build communities and we want to develop youth, we want to develop enterprise, we want to develop you know, our economic development generally, if if people feel they're part of the ecosystem of this thing working, this tide is rising, we're all rising together, well, we're we're more willing to share resources because okay, I see you you're working. You're working at something. You're doing something. I want to support that. On the other end, I see you working. I see you doing something. Let us support that. Vice versa. And so you continue this system of let's help each other help each other. Yeah, which all helps the community. Right. So now that you're back in Anderson, uh, Madison County kid, running this organization, um, you've been in your position, what, four months? Yes. Um, Is it what you thought it was going to be? Yes and no. Okay. Yes and no. And so on the no side, I don't, I don't I won't call it a negative. Um, it's just more involved, perhaps, than I thought. And what I mean by involved is there's a lot of community um, stakeholders and kind of keeping them engaged in the process because, again, this is – Leadership Academy of Madison County. It's not just Anderson or it's not just a small pocket of people. And so reaching those stakeholders, keeping them involved, sharing the vision, um, but then also taking nuggets back and kind of compiling compiling that data and saying, okay, I'm hearing a lot of this or I'm hearing a lot of that. How do we lean into that? to kind of solve some of the need that we're hearing out in the community. So just trying to make it um, best suit the needs of the people, essentially. So uh, on the on the side of it's, it's what I expected, again, it's, it's community work, and community work is, is out front. It's, in, it's working with people. It's, it's connecting the dots. It's relationship building, relationship management, um, reaching out and connecting with sponsors and donors. So th- that work I've done. Yeah. I'm used to that. Um, so 
Well, fun. So um, let's talk about vision. So I heard you say that word. You're expressing this vision. You're expressing this vision. What is, um, I assume, with new director comes maybe not a new vision, but um, new to some. What's right. what's the vision, Jesse? Overall, it's, you know, we want to, I won't say maintain, but we want to establish the respect for the history that the Leadership Academy has been um, and tell that story of the history. But then also there's new programming that's needed. And so as, just an, as, as an example, I know four companies that are looking to go through digital transformation. Well, and what I mean by that is updating processes, going from paper to electronic, going from um, point-of-sale systems, changing those systems, changing um, their invoicing systems. Well, we know organizations that have done that work already. Well, let's put them in the room together and have a discussion around plus or minus delta. What, what worked? What didn't work? What would you change in your process? Again, you talked about avoiding some of those pitfalls. Uh, many of our alumni working in, work in organizations that work together quite often. And if they don't work together, we know organizations that do. So some of those strategies of pairing organizations that are having similar circumstances, let's all get in the room and talk about advancing again, helping each other help each other. Um, the other piece is the leadership connection, like we talked about, leaning more into mentorship or internship, co-ops, partnerships with organizations, pairing our youth to potential career opportunities. Again, here in Madison County, that way they can see that there's work here, there's value here. That may encourage them to stay here over the long haul. And then we want to also spotlight our alumni. I've been to a lot of events since, you know, starting I go into a room and many of those individuals are alumni. Well, let's spotlight them, whether it's through a, a podcast like the platform you have or other mediums where we're discussing their value to the community um, and their impact generally. So that's some of it. You know, Some other strategies are the way in which we give programming, um, kind of standalone sessions, keep our bread and butter, leadership academy, our 10 to 12 sessions, but then offer some standalone hot-button leadership topic trainings and um, the way we implement it. So generally the vision, um, there's other there's other ideas we're, we're thinking through, but that's the basics. Yeah, you got plenty of time to figure it out. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure it's going to screw up on the way there. Yeah. So um, if you were to... Give an overview or one last note to those around you, or those preferably listening, because if there's people in here, I'm, I don't see them. <laughs> um, if you wanted to give one last thing, um, yeah. whether that's a quote from this leadership book that I showed you that you've already seen, yeah, um, which I read. It's a daily devotional leadership book. Um, I don't know what it's called or who wrote it. John leadership. C. Maxwell. John C. Maxwell. Yeah. I, list, I apparently never read the cover, but... Um, it's one of those things that I think is, uh, like you said before, calms your mind, allows you then to approach things a little bit differently. Right. Sometimes you get stuck in the hustle and bustle of the day. Right. 
So one last word to those around you, people that either haven't been part of the Leadership Academy, but you want them part of it, um, people that have never uh, sent people or never sponsored their um, employees or people in their organization to be there, people who have, what would, what would be, again, this is a very long, drawn-out question for one answer, but what would you say to those people? I would say probably, you know, leadership is a leadership is a journey, and all of us have a interconnected path on this journey. And when I say all of us, I mean in the community. So at some point in time, you and I's path are going to be on the same line. Um, at some point in time, I may be on the same path with your dad. At some point in time, we may be on the same path together with Clayton or other people in the community. During those exchanges um, to maximize our time together, um, let's find out how we can either extend this path, how we can bring other people along this path or this journey, um, and then also what tools can we exchange while we're on this path? Because as I cross you and I cross your dad, you cross my wife, I cross Clayton, I cross the chamber generally or across someone else. Hey, I got this tool from this place and this may be valuable for you right now. Leader, That is leadership in my opinion. Leadership is taking what you've gained, what's worked, what's valuable and passing it on. You know, I ran track in high school. I won't say I was the greatest or anything. Um, in fact, I, I mainly did, you know, long jump and high jump, but there were some four by ones that we did. Passing the baton. You're passing it from one relay runner to the next. And so in that exchange, we're just passing it, making this journey a little better for the next person. Um, and at the Leadership Academy, that's my goal. So as, as you progress in your leadership, as people that come in the future, as they progress in leadership, that because they went through the academy, their leadership journey will be a little better because of it. Absolutely. Well, Jesse, thank you. Um, not only for coming in and sitting down and talking to us today, but also for the um, opportunity to learn from you in the next 10 sessions, nine sessions that we have left. Thank you. Um, I look forward to it. And then if anybody wanted to reach out to Jesse, Jesse, how would they get a hold of you? Yeah. So you can hit, hit my email, Reynolds <laughs> um, at the lamc.org. Perfect. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you listening today. Jesse Reynolds. Thank you. I'll hit that applause button on my way out. (laughs) Hey, guys. Thank you again so much for your love and support of the Performance Group podcast. For more information on the podcast, the Performance Group, or even our guests, feel free to reach out directly via our website, performancegroupindiana.com, or feel free to email me directly, which is Sean at performancegroupindiana.com. We'll see you guys next week.